Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. A long weekend is upon us, everyone. How does it feel? <sighs> Feels like another weekend. I mean, honestly, four-day weekends, I don't get... Four-day, Is it four-day? Is it three? You've added another day. I wish That's today was a weekend. That Maybe I said four-day because I wish I wasn't here right now. In our minds. Um, my thing is... Three-day weekends are never enough because you always wish that it was a four-day weekend. It's a tease. It's disgusting. It's not fair. Life isn't fair. No, it's, it's just not. It's like if you're going to give us a long weekend, which some people, depending on, I know some people do make it actually four-day weekends. Let's like, be clear. Thursdays, I went, you're checking out on those long holidays. I went weekends. to the garage. Well, I'm in the garage today. You live in a garage? <laughs> the garage here at work. There are no cars. They yeah. are the only ones That's here. what I'm saying. It's a four-day weekend for everybody else except for us. We got played. <laughs> we didn't. We signed up for the wrong agreement here. Played. <laughs> well, do you have any plans, Ryan? Um, not well. Actually, I do have plans. Um, I'm going to be busy getting my life together in the final few days before I'm going to New York City. The big trip. I forget. Ryan yes, takes, uh, you know, a month to pack. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> Seriously, it's a lot going on, and I'm a little stressed about it. I'm excited for you. You're going to figure it out. You know one thing I'm really excited about? What? My child is going to daycare on, uh, I was on Sunday, and I'm very excited. It's the fifth? Yes, Your doggy Sunday. child? Yeah, I'm very excited about it. No, she's a child. She is a, a flesh So what does child. that mean? What does a daycare mean for the dog? She's getting boarded. So she's going with some uh, She's going with uh, some babysitter, and he's going to watch her. And, and guess what? I'm going to be able to do everything that I want to do before I leave. So I may even oh. have sex. You know how oh, parents? Wow. I feel like I, that's how parents. That's parents really like do that when their kids have babysitters. So you threw your dog to a daycare yes. so you can squeeze in some sex. So I can sex. squeeze in some sex. You before can't my have trip. sex with someone with your dog. <laughs> it's kind of weird because she then starts to get into. Yeah, no, no, because wow. she just sits there and she's like, "What's going on? Why is that noise coming from the back?" Okay. TMI, huh? Whatever. Wow. Just, yeah, you know, if you're going to make us work today, we are going to say inappropriate things. Yeah, I'm going to talk about, <laughs> we can talk about uh, ashtrays with vaginas. <laughs> I can talk about my dog watching me have sex, unfortunately. Oh, my God. That's someone else, by the way, ashtrays with a vagina, not us, if you're wondering. That was, a, that was part of a show the other day. Oh, my God, day. you don't got to explain it. They know I'm they just know. letting you know. If hey, they know, they know. Okay, that is true. Hashtag, if you know, you know. What's the show? Well, we got a lot coming up. Of course, unfortunately, we need to cover this, but it's real and it sucks. We're talking more about the Texas abortion law and its impact on the LGBTQ community at 3.35 p.m. Pacific, 6.35 p.m. Eastern. And an actress has been attacked for a role she played. That's in the T-Report in a moment. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. President Biden shared the August jobs report falling nearly 500,000 short of expectations. 
and uh, more. And he's saying why. There's no question the Delta variant is why today's job report isn't stronger. I know people were looking and I was hoping for a higher number. But next week, I'll lay out the next steps that are going to we're going to need to combat the Delta variant to address some of those fears and concerns. I want to talk about how we'll further protect our schools, our businesses, our economy. I love his chill nature because, you know, when you lead by example, you're not frantic. It's almost too chill, though. I feel like I'm about to listen to the Calm app with President Biden. I feel like I I had no clue, but this show is highly critical about the energy (laughs) that he gives. When you tell us we're only critical about one side, that is not true. No, I don't. I'm not critical of his energy. I feel like he gives the the best amount of energy. Maybe he is a little tired, but that comes with the territory. Oh yeah. Um, But no, I think I yeah I I like that he's keeping everything calm because if he shows that he's calm and stoic, then you know everyone else will feel like they're being taken care of. I mean, I felt like I was going to take a nap while he was saying that. Wow. (laughs) Like, bad news, but it's okay. Plot twist. Shira just attacks all elderly people. (laughs) Exactly. That is my (laughs) shtick. 2021, my brand. Now, the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine booster plan remains on track for the week of September 20th, but it may take a few weeks longer to move forward with boosters of Moderna's vaccine. This is for you, Ryan, and the other Moderna girls. Federal health officials relayed that Moderna's submission was found inadequate and needs strengthened data for the company. Uh, And that's according to a source who uh, shared that with CNN. The company announced on Twitter today that it has completed submission of its data on booster doses to the FDA. The agency is already evaluating data submitted by Pfizer-BioNTech for approval of a booster dose. And uh, that was somewhat trending this hour. More in the next hour. Stick around because we're going to be talking about a gay California lawmaker who joined Grindr to talk about the recall election. Very smart. That's next What's Trending this hour. Anyway, what's happening in the T, Ryan? Wow, oh, you've never done that before. Okay, anyway, uh, Taryn Manning is saying she's feeling the wrath of all the Karens. It's time for the T Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. Um, if you don't know who Taryn is, you remember her from uh, Orange is New Black? She played mm-hmm. Pins, uh, Pinsentucky or something. What's her character's name? Uh, she was kind of like the country, wild, uh, uh, jailed person. Tr- who, like you, trash? Yeah, yeah, I wasn't going to say all that. No, but um, <laughs> basically, she's speaking up because she's in a new movie called Karen and she says she's been attacked by white women who felt she portrayed her own race leading up to this role in the upcoming film. Here she is talking about it. I was kind of taking it head on at first and like responding to people you know I'm so sorry you feel that way I was attacked a lot by white women who felt that I have betrayed you know my own race I think people need to tread really lightly around anybody that you can't just act that way. I mean, points are made. Why? It's it's absolutely insane. If you're not familiar with whatever this film is, uh, her character's name is Karen White, um, and she makes microaggressions against her new neighbors and at one point threatens to call the manager on a black patron while dining at a restaurant. Uh, now, currently... Um, it's gotten so bad that Manning has had to literally turn her Instagram comments off or limit them. And her Twitter is private, although it's unclear if this is a direct result of the movie's backlash or was it kind of like this before. Um, she did further explain why she felt motivated to do the film because I would be like, well, why, why are you even doing it? Um, mm-hmm. She said a lot of people uh, a lot of people aren't taking it well, but it's something that needs to be brought to the forefront so we can start to 
to change humanity, really. Um, so that is your tea report. Your pop culture story is trending right now. Next hour, y'all know I got to tell you about how to win two tickets to Lady Gaga's Jazz and Piano Las Vegas residency. It is going to be everything. Yeah, it's good. Coming okay. up next. Well, next up, if you or someone you know is facing an eviction, what options do you have for rental aid? Well, the Washington Post joins us for some answers next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Last week, the Supreme Court ended a national moratorium on eviction, which has made the need for a federal emergency rental assistance program more urgent than ever before. Alyssa Flowers, uh, Flowers joins us, staff reporter at the Washington Post. Thanks for being here. Of course. So, yeah, this is really interesting. The Emergency Rental Assistance Program appropriated $46.5 billion for people affected by the pandemic and struggling to make rent payments. But how has it been distributed? So it's pretty complicated. Uh, There are a lot of different local programs. So the federal government allocated this money, but it's being distributed through hundreds of cities, counties and states. Um, So, for instance, in Georgia, the state of Georgia, the city of Atlanta and Fulton County, excluding the city of Atlanta, all each have their own programs. There's some guidance from the federal government about who's eligible and how the money should go out. But it really is up to the individual places to set up how the um, application process works to make the final rules and to get the money out. Um, So some places do that by having an online application portals. Some team up with local nonprofits. Some places require that you call on the phone. Um, uh, And generally, these programs are going to want applications from both the landlord and the tenant, and they'll send the funding directly to the landlord, although some places will work with the tenant if the landlord isn't interested uh, in getting that money. So why isn't it just streamlined into one kind of system? Why does everyone kind of have the freedom to just, like, pick however this process is going to go? Because it just seems complicated. I can't speak necessarily to um, to the mindset of the lawmakers, but I think that there is um, something to letting places do what they know will work for them. So, for instance, you see programs where in a place where a lot of people don't have Internet access, they can decide to accept paper applications when that might be a disaster um, in a different location, you know, or if there's really well-established nonprofits with roots in the community, um, they can partner with them instead of standing it up from scratch. So I think that's probably what the thinking was. So how do people get access to this or know that it's even there? Um, that's a great question. Uh, so promotion and publicity has really been up to these local program, state and local programs. So um, it really depends on how well it's been advertised in the specific place where they live. Well, that seems uh, not necessarily productive. And has all the money been dispersed or is part of the issue that, one, it's not enough people know about this, so it's not getting there? And then what happens if there's just leftover money? Uh, so about so the money went out in two sort of batches, uh, one batch in the spring, one batch in the summer. Uh, about 20% of that first batch has gone out. So wow. No, no, the money has not all gone out. Um, but there's and a again, need. That does, there's a huge yes, need, right? There's absolutely a huge need. Yeah. Um, so in a lot of places, there have been big delays in getting these programs going. So New York, the city and the state only really started ap- accepting applications in June. Um, in other places, they just got totally overwhelmed and decided to stop taking applications after a week or 
took a really long time getting those payments out. And like you said, uh, with the end of the eviction moratorium, it's pretty important to get the stuff out quickly. Yeah. So what happens if that money still doesn't go out? Just sits there? Uh, I believe, um, you know, I believe it gets reallocated to other states with uh, that have been better with distributing the, the money. So it doesn't just sit there. Mm, okay. So I guess if someone's listening to this or they know a friend that has been evicted, about to be evicted, how do they get access to this? How long would it even take? Where do they uh, go? So the first thing is to find out how it works where they live specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, because it really does depend on what program they're eligible for. Um, and the devil is really in the details there with, with how to apply um, and also how long it takes. So there are programs where it takes 21 days from start to finish. There are programs where they say, send us your application and we'll call you in about eight weeks. Um, so it really does depend. Is there a site? I feel like I just want to give some like folks a call to action or a Google search even. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, If you search uh, Treasury Emergency Rental Application Program, um, the Treasury Department has a site that will link you to um, the program where you live. So you can put in the place where you live and it'll tell you where to go um, and what program to be looking at. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for breaking that down. That was Alyssa Fowers, staff reporter at The Washington Post. Have a great Friday. Thanks. You too. Next up, while your online orders might not be getting to you on time, and it might get worse. That's next. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there 
to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The global supply chain is a mess and the pandemic hasn't helped. And as time continues, it might be harder than ever to get things shipped to you. Stephen Melnick joins us right now, a professor of supply chain and operations management at Michigan State University. Thanks for joining us. Uh, my pleasure. And how are you today? Uh, great. Friday of a long weekend, you know. Um, and Darn right. I'm about to nerd out on this because, uh, <laughs> you know, people might not think it impacts them, but it definitely does. Can you give some context as to where we were before the pandemic and what shifted? Okay. Before the pandemic, uh, what had happened is the United States and most of the companies that had been focusing on consumer products had developed a really well-functioning supply chain. This was a global supply chain that was interconnected across the world so that a camera that you bought in your store in L.A. would have components coming into it that were manufactured in Japan, Thailand, Vietnam, Taiwan, China. And it was all based on the concept of lean manufacturing, which was trying to you know, make sure everything's coordinated very tightly so that inventory was low, products arrived when you needed. And the result of that is we benefited a great deal from a very, very, from an abundance of products combined with a very low price, relatively speaking. Then the pandemic hit. And what the pandemic did essentially is it exposed the weakness it was supposed as to the weaknesses of this global supply chain because what happened was it affected suppliers in China, Japan, Taiwan, Vietnam. It affected demand in the United States. Uh, it affected uh, the ability of us to move product from one country to another. So, for example, recently we're finding out that uh, – Ships are tied up, and you know one of the problems you have is that many of the people who are manning the ships, bringing the products in, are themselves exposed to COVID. Yeah. The result yeah. of which is it's getting more difficult. Products are being delayed, and prices are going up. Yeah. And combine that with yeah. the fact in certain markets the price, you know, the demand's gone up. Like bicycles, for example. Mm -hmm. I think what's interesting is the holidays are coming up, right? They're going to be here before you know it. And holidays are all about, you know, the Black Friday sales, the, the Christmas, the Christmas sales, all of these things. But I wonder how are how's that going to change? Are things going to be on sale in the way that we know them? Well, that's good. That's a good question. When when I was interviewed previously for an article, I, I basically said to the person at the other end, watch what's going to happen with the back to school sales. Because if you think about what's going on, for many families, and I will get around to your answering your question. Remember, I'm a professor. I never answer in the straight line. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway uh, so what's happened is that if you look at what's happened with the back-to-school sales, that's going to be a good indicator of what we can expect to see occurring in November. Why? Because people are going back after a period of time. Uh, you've got kids who have to buy clothing. Clothing's in short supply. They have to buy computers. They have to buy other accessories. And so if you start to look at what's happening there, the issue has been more availability than price. Mm. 
And to me, that's been the biggest issue. And there's still a lot of uncertainty as to what's going to happen with the COVID. Uh, for example, uh, take a look at what's happening in Vietnam, where the government is forcing workers to s- sleep at the factories because they're concerned about people getting sick. So what I'm saying is, if you really want to see what's going to happen in November, monitor what's going to happen right now. Mm. Monitor what's happening to the prices. Monitor what's happening to the availability of goods. Yeah. And that's, to me, the biggest issue. At the same time, I feel like we talk about consumerism, like we haven't had an overabundance of stuff. So is this nature's way of getting us to stop buying as much stuff and stop producing as much stuff? You know, that's a good question. And the what you've really done is you're highlighting something that we started to see in the field way back at 2015. Uh, 2015 November, uh, the United States government—I uh, forget the one of the bureaus—announces that November of 2015, millennials are replacing baby boomers as the major consumer group. Now you're going to say, why is that so important? Well, baby boomers are dying out, and I know I'm one of them, so be careful. I might not be around here for the end of the session. <laughs> but but the the point is, millennials approach the market very differently. They've really forced the supply chain to do things that previously they hadn't considered. One of these issues is they've really introduced the notion of sustainability and transparency slash visibility in the supply chain. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you've, what does that mean? Uh, we're starting to see millennials and people born later on who are looking at the quality of the products that they're buying. Yeah. One good, one good indication is, you know, I was, you monitor YouTube for a minute. Take a look at some of the channels that have emerged. One channel, one series of channels that has emerged, has emerged over, of all things, boots. And these people are pointing out that, you know, that American-built boots, like Red Wing, like Allen Edmonds, etc., represent fundamentally good value because you don't have to buy as much. You don't have to throw them away because they can be resold. Now, think of it. Have you ever heard people thinking about resoling boots or shoes? Yeah, it's like more like Patagonia. I think it's like these are companies, like things you can own for a long time. Yeah, so So we're fine. Real quick, Mr. Um, Because we... You're a great professor, by the way. I mean, yeah, I'm so intrigued. I could like just Um, hang out talking about this for an hour. Because it's radio, it's it's super live, and we only have a few. (laughs) I know. I I do wonder, you know, I would have thought that companies would have kind of prepared after seeing the shortage of so much stuff from like, you know, just our everyday needs from last year when things were just going away. I would have thought we would have kind of better prepared. So moving forward, just in case, do you think we'll start to see companies prepare for more, like for less shortages? The answer is, I'm not going to give you a straight answer because oh, it's gosh. a mixed answer. Uh, look, I'm a professor. You can expect that. We only got we like 30 okay. seconds. Okay, here's the, here's the answer. The good companies are changing. But understand, it's like trying to stop an aircraft carrier. It takes time. Mm. My concern is not the good companies. My concern is the bulk of the companies. Yeah. As soon as the pandemic goes away, I can expect those companies to go back to business as usual. And what the pandemic has shown us is that business as usual is not the way to manage things. Okay, well, there you go. I agree. And hopefully these, uh, if you're, by the way, on the coast of California, you'll see a bunch of container ships. It's crazy. 
That is oh, yeah, awesome. And, it, 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 here's the situation. Uh, two years ago, three years ago, did you realize that um, I was in? I was teaching in. Uh, Erasmus University in Rotterdam, and I was talking with someone from Maersk Corporation. They were selling their ships because they, you know, no one would want it, wanted to get yeah. transport. Now, what you're starting to see is the most precious commodity is a ship. And what wow. they're doing is they're off the coast and they're waiting to be unloaded. Yep. It's crazy. Go Google that because that is wild. Well, Stephen Melnick, thank you so much again for being with us. Uh, Stephen is a professor of supply chain and operations management at Michigan State University and a really good uh, professor, even on the radio. Thanks again. Well, thank you. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Next up, this woman showed up at the airport in a bikini. We'll tell you why next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. It's always interesting to see what types of clothes people show up in at the airport. Ryan, do you have uh, your go-to outfit? Because I'm about to get to, uh, into what this woman wore going through the TSA. Do you want to go through it? Or are you? you I want to know what you wear. Um, do you have a go-to outfit? I mean, I like to be comfortable, but I also like to be cute, but like comfortable for sure. You just never know, you know, uh, who you're going to meet, who you're going to see. I'm not wearing jeans for sure. That I'm wearing like maybe some joggers More with a cozy. hoodie. Um, yeah, with some sunglasses and my mask on with my bag over. Okay. You know? Like it's a, it's a put together outfit, but it's like still very casual. Like I want people to be like, oh yeah, he just threw that on, but I thought about it. Just in case TMZ shows up, you know. Well, this woman was filmed strolling through the airport in a bikini, but thankfully she did have some protection, her face mask. And this Instagram video has gotten a lot of views of her just walking through. The caption says, when you have a pool party at noon and a Spirit Airlines flight to catch at 4 p.m. You know, there's an Instagram called Humans of Spirit Airlines where they poke fun at passengers on the airline that is referred to as a ultra low cost carrier now it's it's unsure if this happened at a spirit airlines they just picked up the video on their instagram but it is fascinating I mean, it would be on brand for spirit airlines if it did happen at spirit she airlines. is holding a louis vuitton purse i'm not sure if it's real or not i was gonna say that don't mean nothing so i don't know she seems like like but what would compel someone to go to the airport in a bikini unless you just want attention like i'm trying to put the situation in my head like what was happening are you rushing that much? Did you get kicked out? Maybe you had n- none of your stuff? I mean, here's the thing. You don't have to. It's very easy going through the TSA. It's not like you got to take off your, your bill. You don't got to take off your shoes. You just got to go and, you know, walk through. I mean, TSA's just like, yeah, we see you ain't home. Nothing crazy. There ain't no bombs strapped to you. You don't, you're not, you don't got any drugs on you unless it's like up there. Um, I mean, at least the bikini's cute. Um, it I'm is. happy she's white. It definitely catches someone's attention. Um, what was interesting is that she look. I mean, she doesn't what? look bad, but no, it is it is a little shocking, right? Like you're just like, girl, if you don't put some clothes on, but like it doesn't look. I mean, I like the color of the bikini. You know, if this was a fashion police thing, I would give it a like a, a six. <laughs> well, so someone was recently penalized for wearing something that was barely there. A, uh, a Playboy model who was told she couldn't fly on a Southwest Airlines flight while wearing this low-cut leopard print top. Um, she's a person of color, and she was actually penalized for this, um, and which was really um, – and she was traveling with her son, which made it worse, right? So she was pe- – she was – 
told she couldn't do oh, this. Oh, and I see that. And it's a regular shirt. My thing is her breasts are just big. And so people were like, oh, she's showing too much. But my thing is if this old girl can walk naked basically in a bikini and no one say anything, then like why are we pressing this Playboy model? Because she honestly looks gorgeous and... Yeah, I mean, she's showing her clean. She, if you got, honey, if you pay for your boobs to get done, girl, I'm showing every bit of that silicone. So, listen, what rules are there? I know there are some rules with like, what know. you wear, can wear or not on flights, I but didn't like, know that. are there? I had no, I don't know. I, to be honest, I, I've never seen or come across anyone who's wearing anything like crazy. Unless you're literally like poking through, just like throwing it out there. On the top or on the bottom. Well, do you see the other, the, the Playboy models? Yeah, models? just yeah. cleavage. I mean, it's, it's literally just cleavage. So I don't, I'm not really understanding. It's kind of, it's offensive that, you know, they they tried to police her in that way. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't like that. I don't like that. I just think if you, as here's my go-tos. Don't smell. Oh, yes. Please don't smell. S- smelling sucks. And don't put your feet on top of the, the seat. Or clip your nails. Oh, yeah. Who's doing that? Well, there, are be- <laughs> there are people doing that. <laughs> Next up, how a gay California lawmaker is using Grindr to campaign against the recall. That's next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Welcome back to the show. Happy Friday. Coming up, how Texas abortion ban could impact LGBTQ health care. That's in 30 minutes. Plus, Brad Pitt opens up about his own fashion sense. That's in the T-Report in a moment. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Governor Ron DeSantis continues to just go crazy and impact everyone around him, sharing more about the fines for businesses requesting proof of vaccination in his state. Uh, One, I'm vaccinated. Uh, I'm offended that someone would make me show something just to go to a restaurant or just to live life. And there's a lot of people uh, who've already recovered from COVID who do have immunity. You actually are saying me with a Johnson & Johnson shot can go in, but someone who's recovered from COVID and probably has stronger immunity, they can't go in? I'm sorry, that is anti-science. I also don't want two classes of citizens. You know, we have some people in, in our in our communities who just made the decision this is something that they're not going to do. So what, you're going to write them out of society? Well, there you go. That was Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida. Meanwhile, uh, Democratic California State Assembly member Evan Lowe is getting creative to ensure Governor Gavin Newsom isn't recalled. He shared that he has joined Grindr in an effort to stop the Republican recall scheduled for September 14th. In his bio, he says, hello, beautiful. He posted this to Twitter, by the way, and he said, I'm on here to urge you to vote no on the Republican recall. Governor Gavin Newsom has uh, consistently stood for equality in our LGBTQ community. Now let us all be there for him, he wrote. So you could check that out on Twitter and Grindr right now. Very unique way to use the app. I am down with the cause. And finally, an exhibit on the history of the LGBTQ rights movement in Kansas City, Missouri, has been removed from the Missouri State Capitol after only four days because of a complaint from a legislative staffer. The exhibit called Making History, Kansas City and the Rise of Gay Rights was in the Missouri State Muse- uh, Museum and it was taken down. Uh, and now they said this display was supposed to be up until December 26th and it made it only four days before some members threw a fit 
apparently um, then took it down and literally put my history back in the closet. And that's from Senator Greg uh, Razor, a Kansas City Democrat and the only out gay state senator. And so they're basically trying to figure this out and do something about it. But that is happening in Missouri right now. And advocates continue to fight back. That was somewhat trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, Brad Pitt. Um, he may be a heartthrob, <laughs> but I guess he's also humble. Oh. It's time for the T Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So he talked to Esquire recently, and he said that his fashion sense is declining due to his age and claims that he has no style to speak of. Now, he's only 57, and I don't know if, like, when you hit 57, you just think you're like you're old all of a sudden. I feel like 57 is not old. Well, you know, it isn't always when you look back, you're always older than you were. But I, I love... <laughs> I'm sorry. I think if I was to put oh, like the word old on a number, I would go 80 and Yeah, older. I think that's like, that's you're older. Still very young but you know what? An 80-year-old might feel young compared to 100-year-olds. I mean, depending on, yeah. I mean, so here's the thing. Bang. Age is weird and everyone has their own perception of their own age. And it might feel like when you're in it, even though you feel young... When you're in it, you're like, I'm older than I was, though. Uh, well, Jane Fonda is 83, so I wouldn't consider Jane Fonda. There you go. So I would say 80, because she's 83, I'm going to say 85 and older. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just to, to give it more of a thing. Um, he said, you get older, you get crankier, and comfort becomes more important. Oh, yep. I think it's as simple as that. Um, he says, if I have a style, it's no style. My oh, thing is, when me I get, and Brad Pitt. No, yes. I mean, that's you now. Are you kidding me? <laughs> exactly. Um, like on the same page. But for me, I'm never going to not have a style. I don't I don't I don't see how age has anything to do with it. I think that's even true. when you get older, you you like grace and you age like fine wine. Yes. Uh I well, I some people don't. I think that. Yes, exactly. I know I'm going to. There's no uh, umbrella statement for anything. But I do think that there's two sides to it. I think anyone who who's into fashion and style that is always a thing for them, right? Their whole um, life. I think that in the end, someone who was never really into it, they just get lazier as it continues. They're just like, I care less about trying. And then I think Brad Pitt is basically revealing he was never into any of this stuff. And so now he does. He doesn't care. Yeah, I get that. I understand it. It's just, you know, it's that's not for me. That's your tea report, though. But also, he could look really hot and just wear nothing. So that's he is a privilege to that. That's your tea report, though. Um, I do want to tell you before we get out of here that I want you to go to WeAreChannelQ.com because Channel Q is trying to send you to um, Lady Gaga's Jazz and Piano Las Vegas residency. Mm-hmm. It's going to be at the Park MGM this October 14th through the 31st. Honey, we are giving you a chance to win two tickets to the show, a stay at the Park MGM Hotel, round-trip airfare for two, plus $500 in spending cash. All the information is over on the website at wearechannelq.com, so stick around. Don't go anywhere. You know I'm done spilling. Well, next up, uh, this is an interesting new TikTok trend. It's all about uh, figuring out if you're a lesbian or not and how they're doing it on social media. That's next. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So, of course, we covered TikTok trends here. And this is a new one involving uh, sexual orientation. And we're wondering if it's even a really, is it a trend? Is this next generation discovering something that's actually been around for a while? So here's what's happening. TikTok users are sharing checklists to help women work out if they are lesbians. Which at first glance, I was like, well, and we've talked about this, like if you're you're gay, you're gay. Like, you don't need a checklist, right? To, like, evaluate where you are on the spectrum. Or, I mean, do you? Is this strange? Like, I find that really weird. Are you asking me? I'm just saying, the like, gay person we, in the room? <laughs> well, no, we talk about how, you know, and we've covered the article about how more straight people are finding out they're gay and then the problematic nature of that. So I felt like this fit into that. That... Uh, more straight people are not finding out that they are gay. They're on a spectrum. More straight people are, are saying that there's an opportunity that they may be able yes. to experience queer, queerness. That is two different things. So, <laughs> it's two different things. But I thought this kind of fit into that. So the list includes questions like, am I only attracted to unattainable men? Um, am I, once a boy likes you back, do you not like them anymore? Um do you feel bored around men? If you answer it's, yes to these things, you're supposedly a lesbian or a bisexual. Okay, so this trend is not really a trend, which is really frustrating to me because I think it's just, this is something where p- queer folks can like create something online from their experiences, right? Mm-hmm. And they're making light of like actual conflicting moments of their journeys. Yeah. And I think oftentimes when you have people who are who see this or who are covering it and don't understand the nuances of that, it's just like what are we talking about here? And for me, there's a bigger picture about what compulsory heterosexuality is and like and how interesting that really is um and it, it's based off of a book that was like uh, it was an essay from a lesbian feminist adrian rich mm-hmm. and um she kind of argues that heterosexuality isn't really a natural inclination for women and the term really means it's what forces lesbians to struggle through learning the difference between what you've been taught you want, which is being with men, and what do you want, which is actually being with women. And so there's it's it's so interesting um, that I, I I like this part of TikTok where TikTok creates moments and turns kind of like pain into beauty in a way mm-hmm. because it's not that simple. This isn't some random quiz that you would find on Cosmo. Or BuzzFeed. It's like, I, it's, I don't right? really be, I'm, I'm not really sure what we're talking about here. Well, yeah, because people, I think there, there's some people who are either getting into that, this idea of confet which is the short, shortened term for compulsory heterosexuality, and they're realizing this, or they're just realizing like, oh, let's just look at this piece of content that this person made and say like, oh, that was a beautiful uh, realization of who you are. The, the issue with then when it comes to TikTok and all these things, people then say, well, I'm going to do my version of it. 
And everyone has their own version of that through their own personal experience. But then it gets packaged through the media and through people who cover this as this like this challenge and this trend when it's really something that people are just sharing based on their lived experience and how they discover themselves. No, right. And I, <laughs> I, I think what's really interesting is um, and, and there's even kind of like as I'm reading up on this, because I mean, this is the first time I'm like actually yeah. really finding out all this information about this word. And um, there's also if you flip it, it also kind of invalidates other queer women, mm-hmm. um, whether they be trans, bisexual or pansexual, um, because it, 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 it doesn't really show sexuality as this fluid like uh opportunity or ability to kind of just exist in whatever you want to exist in it's telling you have to kind of just like one thing and this is what it is um and so yeah i I think oftentimes we have to be careful how we're covering things and what we're looking at and 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 even seeing things on tiktok being like is this meant for us or is it just something that should exist for the community that it's meant for there you go well uh, there it is right here. Let's go there. Uh, check that out on uh, TikTok right now. Let us know what you think at LGT Show. But coming up, how Texas uh, Texas's abortion ban could impact LGBTQ health care. We have um, a reporter from the 19th joining us for that right after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. On September 1st, Senate Bill 8, the Texas law that basically uh, bars abortions after six weeks of pregnancy went into effect. And on Wednesday night, the U.S. Supreme Court declined to block the law formally. And joining us right now is Kate Sosin, an LGBTQ reporter focusing on trans rights, incarceration, politics, and public policy for the 19th. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. And under not so good news, obviously, let's get into how this impacts LGBTQ health care. And what are many people not seeing when we cover this topic? Yeah, there's a few big things. One, of course, is that, you know, a lot of queer people, especially trans and and non-binary people, need abortion services and are accessing these clinics. So that's the first thing. And then the second is that when we talk about abortion providers in these clinics, especially Planned Parenthood, they tend to offer uh, gender-affirming primary care to transgender youth, non-binary youth, and adults. So that looks like providing hormones to folks. Uh, It means primary care, like cervical um, screening, cancer screenings, and um, breast exams. It means offering puberty blockers to kids and just the kind of care that you might get at your doctor um, if you were searching for gender-affirming care, but can't be found anywhere else in a lot of states, including Texas. So if we lose access to those providers, we lose access to that care. Wow. And I mean, this conversation almost exclusively centers cisgender women. Um, And it it just feels like obviously everyone else is just left out of that conversation. What are um, advocacy groups like doing right now to kind of combat this? Yeah, there's been a lot of conversation just trying to educate and center this, but I think there's a just a whole lot of shock at this moment um, about what's happening in Texas and then what the stakes could be nationwide for this. Um, you know, COVID has opened up some options for telehealth for providers that are have been coming in and trying to operate across state lines to get people licensed and to offer um, this kind of care. But, you know, the other thing, of course, is that 
a, you know, access to abortion care uh, disproportionately also impacts LGBTQ people. Um, you know, LGBTQ people seek out abortion services and reproductive health care um, disproportionately from cisgender people, which is something that has been lost in this conversation. What was the most surprising thing you, you have found in covering this story right now? Um, you know, I, I think this is something that, that I really um, just knew about right off the bat, mostly um, as a member of the community, because when we, when, you know, as a person in the community, the first health care that I got uh, was actually, you know, at some reproductive health care centers, you know, in Chicago, um, women's health care services that were gender affirming. But, um, you know, when we think about health care that impacts the LGBTQ plus community, we should also think about cisgender men and transgender women. STD and HIV prevention services happen at these clinics. So what we're going to see if we lose these healthcare centers, um, abortion services are critically important for a lot of people. But we also need to think about these other services um, and health being access to those things too. And what really did surprise me was the fact that in a lot of these towns um, in Texas, there are just were not other options for people. People will be traveling hours and hours for those other services as well. And, and I guess as folks looking in um, into it from the outside, and obviously scare, we're all fearful because this could happen to any state at this point, unfortunately, it feels like. But what can we all do? Like, should we be supporting certain organizations? Anything you found? You know, uh, you know, as a reporter, it's, it's never my job to really advocate. What I can say is that for folks who are interested in, in learning more about this and, and knowing more about it, I would say um, the best thing to do would really be to look into some of these options around um, COVID restrictions and and telehealth and what that is going to mean because telehealth was really opened up during the pandemic and. The future of that, I think, is pretty uncertain. And for folks who are looking for things like access to gender affirming medical care and hormones and and licensure across state lines, a lot of small clinics and some of these um, startups that serve trans and non-binary folks are trying to get licensed and trying to get access to Medicare and Medicaid so that they can serve folks at low cost. across state lines and are coming up against a lot of red tape. And so I think that the those red tape questions are the things that advocates are going to need to be looking at in order to be able to serve folks um, in some of these states where we're not just going to be losing abortion services, but actually gender affirming care at these clinics. Okay. Well, that was Kate Sosin, an LGBTQ reporter for the 19th. Thanks again for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up on the show, we're talking about um, how couples can get back together. Does this recycled relationship work? Okay. I feel like many of us have been through this. You might be debating on getting back into a relationship you've been in. Well, we're here to help in 30 minutes. Actually, this is right on time. 
my ex asked me to dinner in New York. What? All right, we'll talk. Don't reveal too much right now. Let's talk about it in 30. It was just a tease. Let's talk about it in 30. Plus, why Wonder Woman director Patty Jenkins is being dragged right now. That's in the T-Report in a moment. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Senator Bernie Sanders went off on space-traveling billionaires today. So we are living in a nation where the people on top are doing phenomenally well. They have so much money, they don't even know what to do with it. And now some of them are off in outer space spending their billions. <coughs> well, we think maybe it might be a good idea before you go off to outer space to start paying attention to the struggles of working families on the ground. Well, this continues as the Democrats are fighting for the $3.5 trillion budget plan and uh, folks like Sanders are speaking out about the needs. By the way, he continues when I hear stuff like that. He uh, Curb your enthusiasm. He continues to remind me of that character. What's his name that always plays him on SNL? Anyway, now nationally, COVID-19 deaths have climbed steadily in recent weeks, hitting a seven-day average of about 1,500 a day after falling to the low 200s in early July. And it's all because of the Delta surge. And of course, the CDC is recommending those who have not been vaccinated not to travel over Labor Day weekend. And finally, Lyft and Uber said today they would cover legal fees for drivers on their respective platforms who are sued under Texas's restrictive abortion law that went into effect this week. The law allows people to prosecute rideshare drivers even for transporting women to clinics um, or those who need to receive abortions where they could be fined $10,000. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so let's talk about... Patty Jenkins, you know her. She is the director of the Wonder Woman series, uh, most recently Wonder Woman 1984. And she's criticizing films that are being released via streaming services and basically calling all of them fake films. They're like fake movies, she says. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. Honestly... I'm surprised she's even speaking because Wonder Woman 1984 was a trash movie and she keeps trying to find every excuse in the book to like blame why it was an awful movie. Um, But she expressed her thoughts about the future of the big screen during a cinnamon, uh, not cinnamon, (laughs) a CinemaCon panel (laughs) opening up. She was eating cinnamon toast crunch. (laughs) Honestly, she should do the cinnamon challenge because that might make her interesting again. Opening up about her distaste for original films released on streaming giants. So she said this, aren't you seeing it? All the films that streaming services are putting out. I'm sorry. They look uh, like fake movies to me. I don't hear about them. I don't read about them. It's not working as a model for establishing legendary greatness. Pause me right there, because I think when you say something like that, it's kind of awful because you seem to forget about the the Oscar nominating or the Emmy, like the critical acclaim films that have come out over this past quarantine, like My Rainey and and, have, and, and so many films that have actually um, have done really great jobs and people have gave critical acclaim to and and they have really slayed it when it comes to the um the, to the awards cycle and I just feel like saying something like this just to, diminishes the the beautiful work that we see when it comes to like her colleagues and even like the the directors or the, the stories of color that are really at that level and I feel like she wouldn't be saying this stuff if people responded to Wonder Woman in a better way I mean 
most well, of the response they? was awful. No, people hated that movie. They Wonder thought it was Woman? awful. The the the, the, the second, second one. The second oh yeah, one I didn't even. Out, it wasn't. It wasn't good. I watched it and it just wasn't great. Did it come out during the pandemic? It did. It was one of the. It was one of the first movies where HBO Max did it, where it was like you can watch it uh, if you buy it or like if if you have yeah. HBO Max, you can watch it from home. And she just never really liked that. Um, but she did state that she would never make movies for Netflix. However, she quote likes working with the streaming platform for television. She said, I wouldn't make a movie there or any streaming services uh, with those terms. It's hard to market a movie when it has a limited run. She I shouldn't know. have said that. Yeah. <laughs> My um, thing is, she's okay, these are Netflix exa- execs. Okay, yeah. good to know. Good to Patty know. We'll, we'll never work with Jenkins ever again. That's your team report. I got more coming up next hour. Uh, well, next up, how stoicism is making a comeback. I don't have any more tea report stories. Actually, just joking before what? you get out of there. Okay. Um, well, no you'll more. always have forever. Yeah, I mean, you know, t- it's not tomorrow, actually. Actually, next week, you won't hear from me. <laughs> it's the first Tuesday. You're never coming back. Either way, I'm going to tell you one last time how you can quickly win, uh, go to head, up, head over to WeAreChannelQ.com to find out all the stories that I've covered. And, of course, to uh, enter to win two tickets to Lady Gaga's Jazz and Piano Las Vegas Residency. WeAreChannelQ.com. All the information's there. Well, next up, how stoicism is making a comeback. Uh, And we're going to talk more about what it is and do you care how it could impact your life? Trust me, you'll want to stick around for this conversation. It's going to be really interesting. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. As personal growth and leadership books are more popular than ever before, many are bringing up theories to help you live a better life. One of those philosophies is Stoicism. Here to share more is Professor Nancy Sherman, author of Stoic Wisdom, Ancient Lessons for Modern Resilience. She's also a distinguished university professor of philosophy at Georgetown University. What an honor. Thanks for being here. My pleasure, Shira. Lovely to be with you and Ryan. Well, give us uh, uh, the 101, because a a lot of people might know the words being stoic, what it means, but what is stoicism? Right. Well, for stoic many, it's stiff upper lip or uh, Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip, British sort of style emotionlessness. Um, There's something to it, but stoic comes from stoicism, but stoicism was really a much richer philosophy, and it's sort of... uh, a philosophy after Plato and Aristotle, and it has a lot of uh, lessons for today's resilience that don't involve uh, stamping out your emotions or losing all the zest and and, uh, vigor of emotions, managing them so they don't run wild or get you into trouble, but not getting rid of them by any means. So this idea of, of, a, of a face that shows no emotions or being poker-faced, that really isn't what Stoicism is about. Um, it, is, it has caught on, though, because many people think it's the, you know, the ultimate life hack for managing fear or, uh, or managing your anger. And it has become a mega industry for self-help, but it's much richer than just that. Interesting. I, I think for me, when someone is stoic, I always think about how it uh, it falls in line with like gender roles. And oftentimes, you know, if, if you're talk, thinking about parents, the dad is the most stoic one that doesn't show emotions. And I, I wonder, um, how, how do you think stoicism plays into gender roles? It Does it, it, it? Do you see it happening in one gender more than others? Or what does that look like for you? 
Well, I think it's a, um, you know, so there's stoicism with a little S and stoicism with a big S. And I guess this idea of being really toughing it out is stoicism with a little S. And that is, you know, a lot of uh, manly stuff is uh, stoicism with a little S and sort of tough tough grit and go and go it alone and self-reliance but the real stoics were into uh they were amongst the the first people who came up with the idea of cosmopolitanism so connected in the in the cosmos or in you know global citizens um so that's not particularly um gendered at all um or the idea of being um in cooperative endeavors uh, where you're virtuous but i will say there are lots of folks that have kind of misappropriated stoicism and gone down fairly toxic misogynistic routes so um it's certainly out there and i think the ancient greeks and romans get misappropriated pretty easily um because they do you know it's a western philosophy it's it's got all the uh the stamps and uh credibility of uh, of ancient greece um but that's not the real thing so i i am here thinking one of the lesser known guys out there is um not a household name musonius rufus um <laughs> a teacher of a guy named epictetus who said uh who can listen to my lectures in philosophy Men and women, or girls and boys, because all genders have the same capacity for virtue, yeah. and so the same capability to be able to learn uh, philosophy and how to think yeah. about living a good life. The Good Place, really great show that teach you philosophy and pop culture. Just FYI, if you want to learn philosophy and it's boring for you typically, watch The Good Place. But anyway, that's Everyone it. has seen The Good Place. Not a lot of people have. <laughs> I, it's a reminder. It is a huge so, show. <laughs> I caught up on it during COVID. So how uh, you talk step ahead of me. Oh, there you go. Well, let's talk about how you modernize ancient theories. Like when you say that you can apply stoicism to modern life for modern resilience, what does it actually mean day to day? Well, okay. So day to day, I was writing this book, which, you know, just came out during the pandemic in the, in the depths of the pandemic. I happen to have a sabbatical, but my kids live in California. I'm on the East Coast. You know, I couldn't see them. So there was there was deprivation in a certain way. Uh, the youngest of grandchildren, you know, I couldn't see them. And I, you know, barely could get out to for a wedding that was, you know, all of 10 people. And, you know, and my son even, who uh, 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 the, the, the brother of the bride tested positive at the moment. So. How do you deal with that? Well, you you start sort of thinking a little bit, what what can I and can't control? Now, so in a sense, you, you, you max out your control. But that sounds horrible because that means for some people, well, I'll just resign myself to everything out there. And that isn't the lesson I take at all from stoicism. That means you would just stick with horrible status quo or horrible structural injustices, horrible systemic inequalities. No, you often push as hard as you possibly can to change things. And I think my um, biggest lesson for resilience, I mean, there are two. One is that the Stoics really think about your mental life and they think, well, you know, maybe you have these impulses and these biases that, that, that blind you. You don't really know that you have them. So they say, pause, reflect, mm, think yeah. a little bit about what those are, and then 
like cognitive behavioral theorists, modify what, how you see and how you react. So that's pretty, pretty modern. In fact, cognitive behavioral therapists took a page from the Stoics. But also sort of the idea of thinking slowly when you think too fast, this idea that um, Kahneman has of, you know, think slowly occasionally if yeah. you think too fast. Being reflective, um, not reactive, and yes. and then also yes. creating shifts in your behavior to, for that change. That's right. Giving a, Pressing a pause button so that you can see. They think that you, you know, really can... It, it monitor your attention. Monitor how you see a little bit. So that all of us could use that. Do we react too fast with fear, with hatred, with bias, with prejudice, with stereotypes? So I think those are remarkable lessons. You know, that's not often the bit of stoicism that people pick up. They yeah. pick up Jack Dorsey takes ice baths, you know, <laughs> he's tough it out. Totally. Or I don't know. Or, you know, another person, um, Tim Ferriss sets, has life hacks for dealing with fear in an in a angel investment or something of that sort. But these are much more mundane things. How do you, you know, you're a cop on the beat. How do you deal with, uh, with, with impulsive fear or yeah. someone on a street, you know, in a, in a car or, or dealing with your kids when you're getting a little too angry, too fast or a little too impulsive. Well, we'd love to have or, you on like a podcast like them. Unfortunately, we are a radio show with short talk, talk breaks. But um, this has been so great. And thank you for enlightening us about this subject. Uh, that was sorry to interrupt you. That was Professor Nancy Sherman. No, I mean, trust me, we can talk more about this. But check out her book because I find this stuff fascinating. Stoic Wisdom, Ancient Lessons for Modern Resilience. Thanks again and have a great long weekend. Thank you very much. <laughs> Pleasure. Yeah, Bye-bye. thanks. Next up, can a re- recycled relationship work? What it's like getting back with old lovers and Ryan has a story to tell that's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Can a recycled relationship work? So you've been together, you broke up. Well, can you get back together? I mean, does it? Is it going to work? This has happened to a few people. You know, I know a lot of people that have gotten married or even friends' parents who, when they tell the story, they're like, yeah, they were together. They took a few years off. They took a a few months off, did whatever they got to do to figure it out. Yeah. It ended up in a very long, beautiful, loving relationship. Or did they just settle because they went back out into the dating world and realized it was hell? <laughs> but is that settling or is that just reality? Like, no, that is, that's low key settling because if you go back into the dating world being like, oh my God, is this what's out here? Of course you're going to go back to someone who already knows how you have sex, who knows, uh, who knows about you. All y'all got to do is work. You're like, oh, I'm weighing my options here. I'm just going to go back and work through maybe him not putting the toothpaste cat back on. I mean, that isn't that lowering. Consider. I mean, that can really tease some people off. So here's the the thing. I, it's also that you don't know what you got till it's gone. It is a bit of the grass is always greener until you go to the other side of the grass and you realize it has lots of. Our, both grasses are awful. Okay. See, once again, remember the toxic negative traits? No, I'm, I'm, that's real. No, that people is real. People do that all the time. No, that is real. I think there it, it's it's hard. And you need to have a lot of self-awareness to know, are you going back because it's the easy route, comfortable route, or because you actually, this feels right? The reason why I say that is because like... Okay, let's hear what? What's going on? Oh my goodness. (laughs) I understand why. (laughs) You're so strange. What do you have to reveal? Um, Nothing. Oh my God. (laughs) Okay. 
Oh my god! <laughs> so I understand this because I think there is moments where in in a relationship that I was in, it was very toxic, yeah. and I was willing to stay mm. because, and I think a lot of people deal with this, is because you either feel insecure, you're just like, I don't want to get back out there. Yeah. I, am I going to find someone that you know that's going to love me the same way? Am I going, you know, and like you make up all these excuses, true, because you're comfortable, and also like fear of being by yourself and never being able to find someone one again and like all of these things are real um legitimate reasons for why people would be like i will go back and kind of what we're saying recycle this relationship now i am i'm traveling as i've been talking about and my ex is in the place that i'm traveling and they found out that i'm coming and they want to take me to dinner and apparently they've been having all these conversations Mm. with my other friends and just saying like you know they want to they want to get back with me and they were and for me i'm like should I go to dinner? Should I not? And I think this is really interesting and timely mm-hmm. that we all picked this segment for us to talk about because it's one of those things where I'm like, do he's in a completely different place. I, I feel like he is a changed person. He's not that same yeah, of person that we went through. We dated each other in college, right? We were, I mean, just children. I was the first boy that he had ever dated, right? And so we're in just different places. We've changed as people. And so for me, it's kind of like, should I just go to dinner? And just to say like, you know, just to, I don't have anything to lose. No. Do you want my advice? I'm, <laughs> what are right, we doing I'm here? I'm just making sure. Producer- so, <laughs> so here's the thing. All right. I, I think it's, it's fine to see him. Can you please just see him after you get your work done? Please don't see him in the midst of your, like Ryan has some work in New York. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It can be distracting. I think this is like a distract. Yes. It's a, um, a moment I think that you'll see him and I'll bring up lots of things who knows what will happen which is great it can go either way Ugh. you're there for a reason I actually see don't him. think it's gonna bring up please anything. can you just see him the last night after you've finished all your stuff yeah for sure I think that that's that the makes one sense. thing I even just, though my, uh, my last thing is on the last day of me being there so, <laughs> so it's kind of like I actually should see him maybe the first day I'm there and then I have um, all the entire week to like but here's the thing I think for me I'm at a place where I don't even know if I want to revisit it my friends have been like they, they see it for us they want us to get back together blah 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 but yeah but it's but ultimately just, up to you they're, they're yeah, not in the relationship and I don't think recycling sometimes People are there for a reason and a season. Yeah, it's, this is not an upcycle. This is a recycle. <laughs> yeah, and so for me, I just don't. I don't think I. I. I, I would ever kind of. But it's okay to see that. someone and and like. And Do we want to keep talking? Catch about this? up? No, we're we're done. But it's, right. it's okay to I think catch up with someone and and connect. Yeah, like I think that's, that's it. What it this doesn't is. mean you need to like be in a relationship. Right, and with I don't them. think I need to overthink it. Right? Don't overthink just, it. Just go to it. Just go to dinner. I mean, he wants to take me out, so guess what? That's a free, free meal. <laughs> um, and you and I ain't gonna say no to that. Um, so yeah, I'm. I, I, oh God. Well, then you can just talk about it on the show after. More content for us. Yeah, it's a messy situation. But I mean, whatever. We'll see. We will see. Stick around for next week. Uh, We'll have an update from Ryan. Well, coming up, her story has been made on RuPaul's Drag Race, and she's getting our Yaz Queen of the Day. That's next. 
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. All right, we're getting into our Yaz Queen of the Day a little early here because, you know, it's a Labor Day long weekend show today. Yeah, oh my God. The quicker I can get out of here, the better. So hurry up. Yes, okay. <laughs> this one goes uh, to a contestant from RuPaul's Drag Race who's making her story on the franchise as the uh, first transgender contestant to be crowned the winner. So the groundbreaking moment happened during the finale of the sixth season of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars, which streamed Thursday on Paramount Plus. And Kylie Sonique Love ended up winning against the other finalists, Eureka, Ginger, and Minge, and Raja O'Hara to snag the crown after a competitive season that was filmed mid-pandemic. The 38-year-old entertainment entertainer walked away with $100,000 in cash as the prize and a spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. So this is huge. Um, and this comes from RuPaul, who said, Kylie's exhilarating blend of tenacity, vulnerability, and talent made her a sizzling standout in the most compelling All-Stars in the franchise's history. Her trajectory from season two of Drag Race to the winner of All-Star 6 is an inspiration to all who have had the privilege of sharing her amazing journey. So congrats to Kylie for that. Oh, my God. It was so good seeing her crown. Spoiler alert. If you haven't watched, oh, well, I don't really care because you should not be on the Internet or listening. Um, Here's the thing. Kylie is so wonderful. She was on the show 11 years ago. And the fact that she came back and conquered in the way that she did. And she just showed everyone that she could do it. And she looked stunning. And she just... It, that's her storyline this season. Just what she presented on Drag Race was just a wonderful moment. I'm so so proud of her. I, I don't think I've ever been as proud of a queen winning as I have no. her. She's just so wonderful, and so yeah, I'm very excited for her. Love that. Well, she gets her gas queen of the day. Yes, queen. And if you haven't caught up now, you have the whole weekend to do it because we're heading into a long weekend. And uh, we are back on Channel Q Tuesday because we are enjoying a little vacay like all of you. And we're going to be getting into uh, the topic of traveling to Mexico and if you should avoid it, but why it's complicated. Plus, we're going to be talking about full frontal scenes involving men and how it's evolving over time. That's on Tuesday's show. Again, we're here weekdays for you on Channel Q Live, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern. Wait, 2 to 6. I like all the... <laughs> Yes, it's a it's long two to, day. Two, two, to, two to six. Two to six, five, five to nine p.m. Eastern. Yes, it's you know, nice. I say it so much that I'm starting just to lose track of like it as, yeah, being real. So well, that is in, happening. We're on radio for a reason, not mathematicians. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, that's our time. And if you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. So join our podcast family. Catch up on everything. Just go to the Odyssey app or podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. And now stick around because we've got some music here for you on Channel Q. And just hang out with us all Liberty Day weekend long, will you? Thanks. Bye. Oh, um, bye. All right, we should go now, huh? Okay. <laughs> All right. Bye, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.